Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Folks, welcome to Coffee's Clean the Calorie Deficits. My name is Jordan, I'm your host, and today we're going to be talking about habits for muscle building. I'm going to give you five tips, habits, rules, whatever you want to call them, for muscle building and how we relate them to your training. So, what we need to know about muscle building, first of all, is that gaining muscle is difficult. Your body doesn't want to do it. It's a process that your body views as it takes up more calories that could be used to help you survive. It's not as effective as an energy source as body fat is if you're starving and it gets harder as you go on. The, the better trained you are, the more difficult it becomes to gain muscle. Now that's a son of a bitch because no, and I read this once from like James Krieger who's a researcher, no financial investor would say you should invest in something that will give you less returns as you go on. Now, obviously, we know we get more than just physical returns from this, but it is something to consider, is that you may get to a point with your physique, your strength, and you might consider just maintaining it because to do more requires more than you want to give. Now, without further ado, here is what you need to do for mutual gains. So, impeccable technique. Your technique has to be spot on. I go on about this all the time because... My technique was shit, I just put more weight in the bar and lo and behold I got injured and I stayed a skinny little bitch. Training, muscle building is a signalling process. You're, it's not it's, it's not that I eat more so I gain more muscle, it's, it, it, it's a signalling process within the cell. And that signal can be weaker or stronger depending on what you do with your technique. So if we take a back squat, for example, okay, so back squat will grow the thighs and the bum. And if you perform a squat with a flat back, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see this. If not, just imagine like a little arched back, little Instagram booty. Uh, you perform with an arched back and you let your knees bend, your heels stay on the floor and you go as low as you can without rounding that back. With slow, controlled pace, maybe a little pause at the bottom just to ensure your technique's perfect, and then you explode back up to the top. That is going to be a stronger signal than somebody who lets their back kind of round a little bit, they just drop down into it, they don't control the weight down, they don't pause, not that pause is necessary, but it helps reinforce good technique, and they just kind of like throw themselves back up. Because what's happened is that by keeping the back arched, you've not allowed the back to help, by keeping the heels on the floor, you've not shifted the weight and allowed uh, compensation to help. You've kept the tension on the target muscles. So when you look at someone doing the first type of squat and someone doing the second type of squat, you're going to know that even if the person with the perfect squat or the better squat is lifting less weight, they're signaling the process better than the other person. And that's the first rule. The second rule is what we call progressive overload and it's increasing the difficulty from month to month. Now I don't say workout to workout because some people it doesn't happen, some people it does, just depends on your genetics and you know if you're using any uh, assisted sports supplements which is steroids for those who aren't in the know and I'm just going to take a drink of tea again because I'm old and can't handle more than three coffees a day. Progressive overload. So progressive overload, funnily enough, is what happens when you train. It's not what you're chasing. Progressive overload is a result of hard training. Getting stronger and more muscular is a result of hard training. It's not like you train harder to get more muscular. 
It's just it's a result of it. I know it sounds a little bit weird and backwards, but it's when people are like, you just have to focus on progressive overload. It's like, no, you don't. You just have the workout has to be hard enough, and eventually it has to get harder over weeks and months. Why do I say that? Because I used to coach pump at Pure Gym, and I used to go into it and I'd try to keep the same workout for four weeks in a row, then swap up in some way. And people would say, why don't we do something different? Why don't we do something to tempo? And without being mean, their technique sucked. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know how to engage muscles. And they were doing cardio more than anything else. Pump classes are shit for working, uh, toning, growing muscle, whatever you want to call it. And I actually got a complaint once in Pure Gym because I, I disarmed someone. And I'm really sorry if that person ever listens to this podcast, which I don't think they will, but... I'm really sorry if I disheartened you, but all I was trying to say was that pump classes are a marketing gimmick, just like bands, just like 12-week booty programs, these kind of things. They're just marketing gimmicks to sell you something. And don't get me wrong, I use marketing techniques as well all the time to sell things, but I'll never lie to you and tell you that you're going to get a, a, a massive arse in 12 weeks. It's just, it's for most people, very unrealistic. What I will tell you is that I will teach you the principles and try to get you to fall in love with strength and conditioning training so that you feel like you're becoming not only a physically better person, but hopefully a mentally better person. You like yourself a little bit more because that's what training did for me. But anyway, progressive overload. Basically, things have to be hard. So you have to perform a movement with impeccable technique. And if you've done five sets of, I don't know, 10, 9 and 8, seven and six squats at 50 kilos. Well, next week you want to try and do either more reps or more weights or make it more difficult in some way, like slowing the rep down, adding a pause in. You do want to try and make it more difficult. You do want to try and progress, but only whilst maintaining perfect technique. Now, you don't always have to progress. You may not always progress, but if let's say four or five weeks of training go past and your squat hasn't changed it's not you've not even got one rep across one set you're gonna have to look at a couple different factors that we're just about to go over so progressive overload is things getting workouts being hard enough to stimulate muscle growth through signaling and it has to get harder month to month all right Appropriate volume and intensity. Now that sounds really scary, but all it means is appropriate volume is the number of sets you do and appropriate intensity is just how close you are to failure. What do I mean by that? Well, remember how I said it's a signal-based process? Well, that signal isn't going anywhere if you don't go close enough to failure. You basically have to hit a, and I really apologize for anybody that's listening to this because I'm doing a lot with my hands, but you've got like a little graph here, okay? And the bottom line where the signaling process starts, you only get close to it if you go near failure. So if you're just doing, I don't know, bodyweight squats for sets of 20, right? Maybe for some people that are beginners, that's going to help. For the most people, no. You're consistently hitting under that signal. You're consistently hitting under the graph and you're never going to signal the process to build muscle. You have to go close to failure consistently. Do you have to go to failure every time? No. APT tells you that as a goon. Ignore them. You have to go within five repetitions of technical failure. 
technical failures when you can no longer maintain good technique. You know, like during a squat, knees out over the toes, heels flat on the ground, nice uh, flat back, control over the movement. There's a lot of things that go into this, and I will I can go into this more in detail if somebody like messages me on Instagram, um, or emails me or asks. Maybe I, do you know what I will write a blog post on it. But appropriate volume and intensity. So you have to do enough sets and with enough intensity to signal the training process or the, 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 the growing process. Now, let me give you some numbers for that so you know what you're doing when you go back into the gym. You have to do, based on the research, a minimum of eight sets per week per muscle group. So for the quads, that's eight sets. For the back, that's eight sets. For the chest, that's eight sets. For the glutes, that's eight, set, eight sets. Hamstrings, calves, abs. So you have to do a minimum of eight sets with perfect impeccable technique close to failure. I recommend that most people, and I'm separating this into men and women, but I apologize if you fall on another end of the spectrum of sex or within the middle there, but I'm just going off the data that we have. Men generally need less volume than women and train with more intensity. Women tend to need more volume but train with less intensity. Not always true, but I think if you're listening to this and you're very new to training or relatively new and you haven't seen a lot of progress lately, start with eight sets per muscle group with impeccable technique uh, just keep adding a rep on each week till you can't. You're like, oh, okay, for two weeks in a row I've not been able to add a rep. I'm going to take a little rest week and then I'll go back to it. And then lastly, the thing that kind of ties it all together is recovery. So it's a signal-based process, right? Your body, your training signals, hey, I want you to grow some muscle because the body thinks that you're running away from a fucking Jaguar or something because the body's still stuck millions of years ago in the evolutionary cycle, which is why we hold on to body fat when maybe we don't, because it thinks there's still a period of starvation. But the recovery process is like the building blocks. Let me hit you with a little analogy. Training is getting the builders and the blueprints for this amazing house together. And recovery is the building blocks, the elements that put it all together. You can't use one without the other, regardless which way you swing it. If you're sleeping well, um, you're eating enough protein and you're managing your stress, it doesn't matter because you don't train. If you're training hard, it doesn't matter because you're not recovering. So when we talk about recovery, excuse me, we're talking about sleep and that's seven to nine uninterrupted hours of deep sleep. And what do I mean by deep sleep? I mean not passing out after too many glasses of wine or illicit drugs if you are in a country where that's illegal, of course. I mean that you don't scroll on Instagram until you pass out and just go conked out. I mean taking 30 minutes before bed to avoid screens, to, to sit down and kind of reflect on the day and just allow your body to drop into rest. This is where people get it wrong, they're like, yeah, I slept seven hours last night, it's like, what time did you go to bed? Oh, 12 o'clock. Alright, so you went to bed at 12, what time did you get up? Seven o'clock. Right, okay, so did you actually fall asleep at 12? Oh, well, I mean, it was on my phone for 20 minutes and I had to get up to pee and then um, I checked my phone again and then I kind of couldn't get comfy. Okay, so it was about six hours? Yeah, right, cool. They're under recovering. So it's seven to nine hours of uninterrupted sleep, including rest before then. Protein. 
Protein is literally the building block of muscle. That's literally what it's made out of. And of course, your body needs protein for more than just muscle building. It needs it for various things like enzyme building. Um, it helps your blood. I forget how. I need to look up my nutrition lecture notes for that. Sorry, I'm not perfect. Um, but for the case of muscle building, yes, you need enough protein. And we're talking uh, a full amino acid profile protein. So basically, uh, animal protein, dairy, and soy. Anything else you're going to need more of, uh, just for those vegans out there. So you need around 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight to 2.2 grams per kilogram of body weight. So if we just use me as an example, so I am 82 kilograms, so 1.6a, that's like 127 or so grams of protein that I need. That's my minimum end. And if I'm in a calorie deficit, I probably need a little bit more because like it's calorie break, protein breakdown versus synthesis. You don't need to know this. Basically, the higher end you go with the protein, the more likely you are to use that for building muscle and other processes rather than it being used as energy. So if you're vegan, that goes up about 30%. You need to go from, I think it's around 1.7 to 2.9 grams of, uh, sorry, grams per kilogram of body weight of protein, which is a lot more. And that's why for vegans, I always suggest just be nasty and cheap with it and just drink a couple of soy based protein shakes and then just bump up the rest of your meal so you've always got at least two types of proteins in your diet so that might be like i don't know rice and mm, beans two different types of protein you add them together you get a full amino acid profile which just basically means you've got all the ingredients for building muscle Rest is kind of similar to sleep, but uh, what I mean by that is that you're not training like six days a week. I get that, yes, some people can tolerate that much volume and depending on how you spread it out, yeah, you probably could get some really good results from that, especially if you're using special sports supplements and telling people that you're not in order to sell them your 12-week booty building program. See a trend here, right? But... I think most beginners and people that listen to this probably will be beginners and I say beginners with anybody with three years of less proper intense training experience. You will probably get more than enough results from three to four sessions per week. If you're doing three sessions a week, upper, lower, full body. If you're doing four sessions, upper, lower, upper, lower is usually the easiest split and you can actually find somewhere on my website a free link to those type of workouts. I'm so nice. Uh, that's jordanflemingfitness.co.uk, by the way. And if you can't find it, just message me and I'll send you it. But yeah, rest is basically similar to recovery, but you are not stimulating muscles, again, under the graph. So you could do six shitty workouts that don't stimulate any muscle signaling. Or you could do three really good workouts that stimulate a lot of muscle signaling, and then you go and recover for the rest of the time. Uh, yeah, that, I think, is the end of this podcast on muscle gain habits i know that it was a lot if you need anything more or you have any questions about this folks you can always feel free to hit me up on instagram that's at jordan fleming fitness that's jordan with an a fleming with one m and fitness as it is my website as i said is at www.jordanflemingfitness.co.uk although i don't know anybody who puts the www dot in front of like websites anymore i feel it's a very 
90s slash early 2000s thing. Um, and my email list is also on my social media. You can sign up for a free 30-day challenge called 30 Days to Fit, which is all about building habits around your nutrition and training. Regard, it depends on what you want. And yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this. I really appreciate it. If you have any feedback or questions that you want answered on the podcast, please hit me up. I'd rather talk about what you want to hear than what I think is cool. Bye, folks.